Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 1787. What to do when you've got pain in your lower leg, foot, or toes. And one massive mistake endurance athletes make. Both by Kate Galliott of fitforreallife.com. And I'm Dr. Neil Malik, reading you from some of the most popular health and fitness blogs out there, with permission from the websites, of course. Now, I usually read you just one blog each day, but occasionally, when the article is a bit on the shorter side, I read you two. And that's what's happening today. So with that, let's get right to our two posts today as we optimize your life. What to do when you've got pain in your lower leg, foot, or toes by Kate Galliott of fitforreallife.com. Plantar fasciitis, heel pain, Achilles pain, the always fun top of the foot pain, side of the shin pain. There are so many ways your feet and toes can become injured. Does that mean that feet and toes are fragile and prone to injury? Absolutely not. The way most people go about dealing with injuries and pain in the feet is all wrong. Those folks don't take action until they feel a gnawing ache in their foot or a sharp pain in their heel or a deep throb in the top of their foot. Then they bring in external support, like shoe insoles, K-tape, or ibuprofen to try and solve the problem. But they will not work in any long-term lasting capacity. Why? Here are two things you must focus on if you want to start solving your foot issues, and all of them work on your internal stuff. No braces or insoles here. One, improve the quality of your soft tissue. If your soft tissue loses its pliability, you're going to have a hard time moving it. Your skin, fascia, muscles, ligaments, and tendons all need to be capable of moving, stretching, and flexing. If your soft tissue can't move well, your bones will have a hard time moving the way they are meant to. The reverse is true too. If your joints can't move the way they are meant to, Your skin, fascia, muscles, ligaments, and tendons will have a hard time staying supple and movable. Simple solution. Once per day, remove your shoes and sock and massage your feet with your hands. Use your thumbs and fingers to press into the bottoms and tops of your feet and notice where it feels tender or pinchy as you do so. In addition to using your hands to massage your feet, you can also use lacrosse balls, dowel rods, edges of coffee tables for those of you who put your feet up on the coffee table to help your soft tissue become more pliable. Just by pressing into your feet with your hands, you send signals to the cells that make up your soft tissue. 
Dr. Andrea Spina, creator of the Functional Range Conditioning and Functional Range Release Systems, and someone whose knowledge has enhanced my coaching, said it so eloquently. Soft tissue work is not breaking up scar tissue or adhesions, making tight muscles loose, making short muscles long, or as simple as smashing tissue with a blunt object. Soft tissue work is a dialogue between the treating practitioner's hands and the cells that make up the tissue said hands are contacting. The language being used is force. Force is the language of cells. And the messages or suggestions, when applied properly and specifically, can influence the tissue's ongoing remolding process. Pliable soft tissue is only one step, though. In order to actually improve the health of your foot or any part of your body, you must use the new pliability you're creating. Which brings us to focus point number two. Move your foot, toes, and ankles through as much of their ranges of motion as possible, regularly. When you don't send the signal regularly that your foot should move, it won't have any reason to maintain its ability to move. After you massage your feet, start exploring movement with your toes, your foot, and your ankle. Old school passive stretches are the old way. A smarter way to gain usable mobility in your feet and ankles is to perform drills that include your nervous system in the process of increasing the joint's range of motion. One Massive Mistake Endurance Athletes Make by Kate Galliott of fitforreallife.com Your body is always paying attention to any stimulus you give it and responding with effects aligned with those stimuli. As you increase your cardiovascular endurance training workouts in preparation for your Ironman triathlon, your body responds by increasing lung capacity, increasing stroke volume of the heart, and along with many other adaptations, it even hardens the skin in the areas where your skin is making the most contact with things like shoes and shirts. If you get injured and cannot train for a period of weeks, the body responds to your lack of cardiovascular endurance stimuli by reducing your no longer needed higher lung capacity, your calloused skin softens, and amongst other things, your blood volume changes back to pre-training. Specific stimulus equals specific adaptation. Elimination of specific stimulus equals elimination of specific adaptation. The must here is stimulus. It must be there, or else there is no reason for the body to adapt in that way. This is as true for muscular strength as it is for cardiovascular performance or any other physical stimulus you give your body. If you strength train, your body responds to that stimulus in a variety of ways. Your body improves its neural connection from brain to muscle. It strengthens your connective tissue. It stimulates bone growth, leading to increases in bone density. It increases the amount of energy factories you have within your muscle, also known as mitochondria. It even makes more pliable the fascia, which lays on top of the muscle and houses 10 times as many nerve receptors as the muscles themselves. Oh, and also, your body adapts by increasing its work capacity and total work output potential, meaning it gets stronger. Remove the stimulus of resistance against your body and the adaptation disappears as well. Just two weeks away from strength stimuli is enough to see a drop-off in overall strength, power, and mobility gains that had come from the previous strength program. According to the American College of Sports Medicine's publication titled 
primary care sports medicine, a, quote, swift and significant detraining effect occurs for athletes after only two weeks of exercise cessation with a measurably significant reduction in work capacity. For most athletic pursuits, the most important race, event, or game shows up sometime near the end of a season that's months long. The goal is to peak for the big event. Peaking is different for every sport, but take any sport and ask yourself this, would I rather be stronger or less strong at the most important event of the year? The biggest mistake I see endurance athletes make is stopping their strength work as their season gets into full swing. They spent the off-season doing strength work that builds more energy factories in their muscles. They increase the strength and usability of their fast-twitch muscle fibers that will assist them when it comes to powering through a hill or chase down a competitor that's just ahead of you with half a mile to go. They built stronger connective tissue that will help fend off the typical itis issues that crop up with such a large volume of cardiovascular training. They built a body that lets them do more work with less effort. And then they stop sending that stimulus, telling their body to hold on to and further improve those adaptations. And the adaptations start fading away. Endurance athletes need to provide stimuli to their body to cause cardiovascular fitness adaptations. But an equally important stimulus to the endurance athlete's body is the one that says, get strong, have power, be durable, have mobility around these joints, have stability around these other joints. You don't get those things if you don't do strength work on a consistent basis. You just listened to the post titled, What to do when you've got pain in your lower leg, foot, or toes, and One Massive Mistake Endurance Athletes Make, both by Kate Galliott of fitforreallife.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it filters out incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash health. Just go to indeed.com slash health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Dr. Neil here for my commentary. I want to address something related to what today's author, Kate, said in the second post. Kate said that a stimulus for adaptation and growth must be present. Otherwise, there's no reason for the body to adapt and grow. I'll give another example of where this rule applies. I was having a conversation with someone just recently about calcium and osteoporosis. Osteoporosis is the condition where holes form in the skeletal structure, making our bones weaker and more likely to break. This is a common condition for everyone as we age, but particularly common among those born female, especially after menopause. Now, I was telling this person that it's a good idea to stay active as you age and especially incorporate some resistance training 
to help protect their bones and prevent osteoporosis. Without hesitation, they said, oh, I'm not worried about that. I drink plenty of milk, so I get lots of calcium. My bones should be fine. Sadly, that's not true. Getting enough calcium, and vitamin D for that matter, is helpful, don't get me wrong. But in order for that calcium to actually get used by our skeleton and help make it stronger, there needs to be a stimulus for that. In other words, we have to create a demand for that calcium. Our skeletal structure needs a reason to take up more calcium. The best way to do that is to put the skeleton under some resistance. Make the bones stronger by adding some pressure to them, like with resistance training. Then they will be forced to adapt, which will create the stimulus or demand for them to crave more calcium, which in turn will make them stronger. All right, that'll do it for me for today. I'll be back here tomorrow for the usual Friday Q&A. So I hope to see you there where your optimal life awaits.